Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. I just love what happened in the worship. Gary, thank you for bringing that word because it really spoke about what the Father wants for us today. I think He, he wants us all to know that, that His embrace is just waiting for us. And I was just thinking about that in the, in the story of the prodigal son, um, the one son returns and the father runs to him and he embraces him and he gives him a kiss. And the other son complains. He says, why, don't you, why, don't, why can't I have the fattened calf and have a party? And the father says, no, I'm always here. I'm always there for you and you've always had what, whatever I have is yours. And, and I think the father wants to tell us this morning that all that he has is for you. His embrace is here for us this morning. So Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word over us already received, and that is that you love us, that you want to embrace us. You want to draw us into a deeper relationship with you. I thank you, Jesus, that you make it all possible, that you reflect the Father's heart towards us, that you so dearly love us and you so dearly want to call us brother and sister. Thank you for your intimacy with us this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd bless our time, that we would know your heart even more, that you'd be revealed to us and that we would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Great, so we are on the... um, the series called Being the Answer. Um, as Gary mentioned, it's to do a little bit with uh, evangelism, uh, but really it is about the gospel. And uh, recently I had the enormous privilege of uh, officiating a wedding of this beautiful young couple. And um, when it comes to doing the vows, I always tell the people that I counsel that they should do their own vows. They should write a list of their own vows, and then when they have the ceremony, they should read them out to one another. And uh, during that time, people are just looking at how beautiful the couple are, and how beautiful the day has been, and the flower arrangement looks really great, and, you know, and the pasta looks really cool. And <laughs> but they, they miss the whole point. And the point is the vows, the love that this couple have for one another. And, uh, and during the service, um, I was kind of doing the same. I was handing the mic this way and that way, and I kind of got caught up in the whole, the whole procedure, and I didn't listen to the vows very well. But after the, she had said her vows, I thought, wow, something just happened. It was amazing. There was something amazing in the vows that she just said. But I didn't know what she had said. It was like I'd gone blank, you know. And um, fortunately, she had given me her vows that I slotted into my Bible during the service. And, and while I was preparing, those vows came to mind. So I'd like to read them to you if, you, if you're up for that. And for me, it just gives a beautiful picture of how we should be to our Jesus. Or how we should see our King. And if you um, have a soft heart you might want to take out some tissues. The day you walked into my life, everything changed. For the first time ever, I could be myself. And I felt secure in giving my heart to you to safeguard and keep. Not once have you made me regret that decision. I'm going to slot Jesus' name in here. Jesus, I love you fiercely. The thought of me 
without a you is too much to bear. Your kind and gentle spirit blended with your charm, sense of humor and good looks have made you my perfect match from day one. Thank you for never failing to tell me how much you love me. Thank you for reminding me I am beautiful. Thank you for making me laugh until I can't breathe and for being as weird as I am. Today I become, sorry, today you became the keeper of my heart for eternity. As your wife, I promise to love and honor you through good times and bad. I promise to nurture and protect our, our marriage by choosing you, no matter what comes our way. I promise to walk beside you every step of our journey through all detours, difficult climbs and beautiful destinations. I promise to consider you and make each and every decision with you, my teammate, my partner. I have found the one who my soul loves, and because our souls are eternal, so is my love for you. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our Jesus? The thing we should say to our, to our Savior, we love you, you're amazing, but he's so good to us. If you'd like to turn with me to Romans 10, 13 to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. That's a great thing. But how will they know to call on the Lord if they've never been told about the Lord? If they've never had this picture, this beautiful picture of, um, of the vows that I've just read out? How would they know what this Jesus is like if, unless they are told? And I think it's clear that uh, Jesus wants us to tell the world of him so that they can call on his name and be saved. The problem is, a lot of the time, we cast this very poor picture. Sometimes we don't pay attention to who Jesus is. Sometimes, in the midst of his presence, we are looking at the flowers or how handsome the pastor is. Mahatma Gandhi once said, the problem with Christianity is the Christians. How do we get such a bad reputation as Christians? And I want to suggest maybe it's because of our judgmental hearts, our arrogance, our um, boastfulness of self. Judgment and arrogance never leads to a relationship of love, does it? We are called to love. By this shall, they, shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. The gospel is good news and it needs to be uh, demonstrated as such. Quoting scripture and Bible bashing is never going to be good news to anyone. 
Some of you might have heard my testimony, but uh, I kind of leave out the first part of my testimony in, in my testimony. And uh, today I will bless you with that. And uh, so I actually first came to know Jesus in grade, no, I have to get it right, grade 10. And um, I'd been brought up in a, in, a, in a family that went to a traditional church, which was cool, because I knew that there was a God and he was out there and I had to stand up and sit down and do certain things and, you know, and get on my knees once or twice. And, and I never know when, knew when to do that, but I just did it and I tried to fit in. And, but I'd never had a relationship with Jesus. And uh, at school, this, this look, to me, it was like a rock band came, and, uh, but actually it was a youth event. And during the youth event, I just, I had this incredible encounter with Jesus, and it was just amazing. I could have a relationship with this all-powerful, amazing brother called Jesus. And it was, for me, it was mind-blowing. It was like, yeah, I now am a part of something really significant and amazing. And so, that's not where my testimony ends. After the event, I rushed off to my dorm, and I got into my dorm, and everyone was asleep, so couldn't share that my, my joy then, so I just snuggled up in bed, couldn't sleep, woke up in the morning, I said, hey guys, I gave my life last night, it was so amazing, oh yeah, whatever, you know, let's go shower, you messing with my time, and that's how it started, and then I, then I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll go and speak to the Christians that I know in the, in the school. So I go off and I, and I find these Christians, but they are all weirdos, man. They are so strange. And most of them are the people that I used to bully. So it was a bit awkward. So I go, hey, guys, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian now. And, you know, it's so amazing. It's so cool. And, and you know what the thing was is that they came at me with scriptures. They said, oh, you need to be this. You need to do that. And they said, and that, all they did was they reminded me of who I was before I became a Christian. So, yeah, you were this to me, you did that to me. And the whole time I think, you know, this is not cool. I don't want to know this God and his people if they're going to judge me for what I used to be. And I think that is really kind of the picture of what Gandhi was speaking about. He says, the problem with Christianity is the Christians. And I felt so judged by the people I had now become a part of that I just reje I rejected them, I pushed away, and, and my life went into this downward spiral of incredible independence and resistance to anything that was of God. Until much later in my life, I encountered this beautiful lady right here, my queen, my beautiful wife, and she drew me back into a relationship with Jesus. And it's, there, it's only then that I realized I had a greater purpose. When you encounter Jesus, you're awakened to who you are. He doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't even want to change you. All he wants is to have a relationship with you. And that's what I experienced later on. When you encounter Jesus, it's like the lights go on. And you know who you are. It's like, actually, now I know who I am. I have this beautiful niece, and um, my brother passed away very, very young, and, but he had had 
um, his daughter just before he passed away. And so she, she's very close to our heart, and we love her immensely. And um, she once came uh, on holiday with us. And uh, she, she was then already part of her new family with, uh, with also amazing family and a, and a new father who was really good to her. And she had some new brothers. And it was, she, she had an incredible family. But she came on holiday with us. And by the end of the holiday, she said something which was quite incredible. She said, you know, I only now understand who I am when I see the way you guys are. And I understand who my dad is when I see you guys. And there's something amazing about DNA. You can be loved and you can, end, you can be in a different environment. But as soon as you understand who you are, when you're in an environment with, with your true father or your, or your true brother, you know who you are. DNA is an amazing thing. The DNA of Jesus is within you. When you are in his presence, you understand who you are. I'm, I'm that guy's brother. I'm that father's son. You only know that when you're in the presence of Jesus. Holy Spirit just, he awakens us. He says, I know who I am now. I've got purpose. I've got an incredible father. I've got a father that loves and just wants to embrace me all the time. Like Sherry was saying, he runs after us. He's constantly trying to catch us just to give us a love. That's the father that puts the DNA inside of me. Not, not an earthly father. Not one that lets us down ever. That is the father that puts DNA inside of us. We're no longer broken, incomplete, or an outsider, or different. We made whole and we find our purpose in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 25, even more. I love this scripture. This scripture for me is just is something that resonated with me so much when I first became a Christian. And uh, I'll just read parts of it and uh, we'll speak about it now. I can see the pages. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You know, I was a, I was a remedial boy, always getting pulled out of class, going off to remedial, coming back, everyone's doing their own thing, always being behind in my work, Never been able to read properly, stuttering over my words. And uh, for that reason, I thought, you know, for me to be up in a, in, a, in a church preaching, having to read, especially fine print like this, in so many pages, and the pages are so thin, for me, it was just like, it's, it's like an impossibility that I would ever be in the situation that I am now. But this scripture said something to me. And I hope it means something to you too. And it's this. God doesn't want your wise words. He doesn't want your eloquence. He doesn't want your recanting of all these amazing books that you've read. 
He doesn't even want you to quote scripture or to read reams of it. He wants you to reflect who Jesus is in you. He wants the DNA that he has put inside of you to be recognized by the world around. When I preach, I hope that you don't hear my words. I really do. I hope that you hear the Father's heart for you. And he wants the same for all of us. You are not ever disqualified. If you've ever felt that you're disqualified to preach the good news, you are mistaken. Because you are a son of God. Your DNA cannot be taken from you. Jesus is in you. And that's what we preach. Later on, it speaks about the Jews demanding miracles and the Greeks wanting incredible wisdom. And he goes on and he says, that, uh, that we only boast in the Lord. And the incredible thing is that when we preach or when we speak, when we spread the good news, it starts at the incredible cross. And the cross brings us to a place of forgiveness, but it also brings us to a place of relationship with Jesus When I explain the cross, I have to use just simple words. I can't use the words that the theologians use. I just have to use the words that God has put on my heart. And it's the heart words that people want to hear. The strongest word on on the cross for me is the picture of him. the picture of him on the cross. And he just says, forgive them, Lord. Forgive Roger. Forgive him. Because I love him. We do bear God's image. And we reflect his kindness and his love and his truthfulness and his grace to the world. In our families, in our workplaces, in the sports that we do, in all the activities, in in the entertaining or even in our quiet places, we reflect the image of God. We beat back evil and the chaos of the world by being Jesus to the world. When we represent Jesus to the world, the broken and the lost Hear God's call. A couple of years ago, I decided that it might be a nice thing to coach rugby. And I didn't just want to coach rugby. I wanted to reflect Jesus to the people that I coached and to the parents that I came into contact with and to the opposition coach and to the teachers of the school. So when I go and coach rugby. I'm very intentional about preparing my heart when I go and coach rugby. I definitely prepare what are we going to do in the practice, how it's all going to play out, but I'm intentional about representing Jesus well at my coaching sessions. 
and every match that I go to and every after match drinks or whatever it is, I'll make sure that I have my heart prepared to represent Jesus well. Because those are the people that need to hear about Jesus. Those are the people that need to see that Jesus wants to invade their space and wants to run after them and to just to love them. Often in those times, people will be very critical of another team or a coach or whatever it is. And it's, it's very tempting to be drawn into that world. It's very tempting. Just like the other day, I was at, at gym and uh, this guy, for, for whatever reason, started talking to me. But he, he, his opening line was, geez, that guy's such a chop, eh? And you, and you like, look around and think, yeah, he probably is. But you can't say that. Because he's not, actually. But the opening line, it just kind of takes you a little bit off guard. And if we're not prepared to represent Jesus well, we will be like Gandhi says. So I had to hold my tongue, have a good look at this person that he was talking about, and I had to respond by saying, maybe he's, maybe he's just, you know, maybe he's having a bad day. He's like, no, no, that guy, he always comes over and, he, and he's like, on and on. I said, yeah, but he's, I think he's got a good heart. I'm like scrounging here, you know? Anyway, the whole time, you get more and more. And yeah, but he did this and that. And I just tuned him that. And I don't even know this guy. And the whole time, I was trying to represent a good side to this person so that I didn't become the judgmental Christian that everyone calls us. I believe that we should be different from those who are lost in this. We should be people who are known for who we are and not for people, or not known for people uh, for what we are against. We should be known for who we are and not known for people for what we are against. You just have to look at social media and just about everything is, I'm against this, I'm against that, I'm against this, I don't like that, I don't want this, and I want to present that, and da 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 If we are who we are and we're happy with that, then the world will hear Jesus through us. You know, the small sacrifices that we make, or the sacrifices that we make for sharing love is foolishness to the world. But what it does do, it shouts love to those who experience it. The small sacrifices. I actually had to be slightly reprimanded by my wife the other day. Because our, our kitchen, okay, there's three of us in our home. Our kitchen is constantly filled with food being prepared, but masses of food. And I, I know I'm a growing boy, but there's no ways I could consume all the food that is made in our kitchen. Our kitchen is like a factory for other people. And I had to check myself because this amazing woman rep represents Jesus to those around us 
She sends so many meals out of our house, it's not even fathomable. Luckily, we've got a big chest freezer, and it gets filled every week with more and more meals. And I'm just seeing the overdraft kicking in. That's all I'm seeing. And she says, yeah, but, yeah, but, but Jesus loves them. And that's what we should be doing. We should be representing the love of Christ for those around us. Does Tanya expect anything in return? No. She just wants to represent Jesus to them. When someone false accuses us, forgive them, Lord. When someone mocks us, it's okay. When someone dismisses our words, it's okay. There's another day. When someone judges us, it's okay. Because we know who we are. Jesus loves. Jesus' love says, I want a relationship with you. The you are created. I don't want to change you but I want to bring the best out of you. I'm a Christian because I am in a relationship with my God who loves me, gives me life, and has amazing adventures for me to enjoy. In this relationship, God reminds me of who I am. He has good things for me, and he is good to me. I'm going to read this little quote that I've once used from Shakespeare, eh? this learned guy, all those reams of Shakespeare that I've read over the years and years and years. Eh? It's amazing. Eh? I'm just a wealth of Shakespeare. Eh? It is so impressive. Auntie Google is so kind to me. <laughs> Time is very slow for those who want. Time is very fast for those who are scared. Time is long for those who are sad. Time is very short for those who celebrate. But for those who love, time is eternal. Isn't it crazy when you look around the world and you see people filling their time with naive pursuit of purpose? Comfort, security, connectedness, and trying to leave a legacy. And all they leave behind are decaying buildings where the price is paid by those that are left behind. I'm often saddened, but also there's a, there's a kind of a joy when, I, when, I've, when I've come away from a memorial service and I drive out or whatever, and I see trees growing. I see people doing their thing. I see gardens continue to grow. And I'm thinking, you know, time doesn't stop just because somebody died. The, I, I, the other day, I was walking around my mother's garden, and I saw in the garden trees that my dad had planted, who is no longer with us. And we get to enjoy that. But also there's a sadness of a loss there. 
But wouldn't it be amazing if the only thing that we left behind was the tree of life? But for those who love, time is eternal. The lost are lost, and they are blind, and they're not free, and they are fractured. They need Jesus. They need the tree of life. The best legacy we can leave is the tree of life. I'm going to end there, but what I would like to suggest is that I want to introduce you to my but. His name is Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my King. He's my Savior. And he is super connected. If you've never been introduced to Jesus and you'd love to be, and you'd love to call him your but, your Lord, your King, your Savior, your Creator, your source of life, and your origin of DNA, I'd like to invite you to put your hand up so I could pray with you. And we will celebrate with you too. Now's your time if you'd like to respond to that. Other than that, we're going to invite the band up again, I think, to celebrate our King and the relationship that He so desires with us. I think we'll have one amazing song of praise. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Hey? Jesus is good. He's good to us, He's good for us. He loves us, and he loves the way that we are. He doesn't want to change you, guys. If you feel this incredible pressure to change, I want to release you of that pressure. I want to release you of any pressure to perform. In the kingdom, there is no comparison. There is no comparison. There is only glory. There is glory in each and every one of us. There is glory in Jesus. If you feel pressure to perform, I want, you, I want to release you of that because that's not of the kingdom. The kingdom will advance. I think the call for us is just to be ourselves and allow who Jesus has made us to be to come out. For us to say the vows that this bride said to her. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.